You're tuning in to the Wild, Weird, and Sometimes Normal podcast. If you have a story or a guest recommendation that you think others need to hear, email me at wildweirdandsometimesnormal at gmail.com. Let's get this started. Alex and Brett, kick it! Wild. And sometimes normal. On this episode, I'm joined by Jeffrey Wilson. Jeffrey is the head of that podcast network, the solo host of It's Me Speaking to You and the co-host of the extremely popular podcast, The Conspiracy Farm. This is a bucket list interview, as I've been a farmer ever since the early days. Jeffrey and I discussed the current state of politics and outrage culture, the looming presence of new mask mandates being issued, ancient archaeology and how that would upend current dogmatic beliefs. And we even discussed the time Jeffrey performed stand-up opening for Sam Tripoli and Eddie Bravo. This one was a lot of fun, and Jeffrey is really knowledgeable about everything that I stumbled through. I'm sure you're following him already, but if not, please do so and let him know you heard him on Wild and Weird. Enjoy the show. Are you looking for CBD for your pet? My friends at Pure Pet Wellness have what you need. They use the highest quality ingredients. While other companies may use synthetic oils in their CBD, Pure Pet Wellness uses organic ingredients, organically grown hemp, organic coconut oil organic shea butter, organic beeswax, and that's just to name a few. A family-owned and operated company that also offers fast shipping. Go to purepetwellness.com for all your pet's CBD needs and use the discount code WILDANDWEIRD at checkout. That's WILD, A-N-D, WEIRD. Treat your animal right. Go to purepetwellness.com. Are you looking to buy a home in New Jersey, escape the city and move to the suburbs, finally purchase that vacation home on the lake or down the shore? Maybe you're one of the lucky ones who are retiring and moving out of state. If so, let me help you. Keller Williams and the Real Estate Professional Group have what you need to make your goals come true. Reach out and have a conversation with someone who will put you first. Contact Brian McCoach at 856-321-1212 or email brianmccoach at kw.com. Welcome to another episode of Wild, Weird, and Sometimes Normal. I'm your host, Brian, and tonight my guest is Jeffrey Wilson. He is the head of the podcast network. He's the host of a solo podcast. It's me speaking to you. And he is the co-host of the amazing podcast called The Conspiracy Farm. Jeffrey, welcome. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate the invite, man. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great, man. How about you? I can't, com- well, I can't complain. Had some tech issues, which always seems to happen. Murphy's Law when it comes to doing this kind of stuff. But, you know, every day above ground's a good day, man. Doing all right. We came out the other side of it, so it's okay. That's fine. At least for today, we did, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, Jeffrey, tell me a little bit about the podcast network, me speaking to you, and and the Conspiracy Farm. Yeah, I mean, that podcast network spawned from like all of the stuff kind of we'd been doing. I'd started with my show. It's me speaking to you kind of for it's a long name. So for like hashtag purposes, I spell it. It's me, SPKN, the number two, the letter U. So if you want to look it up, amongst other things, that's one of the ways you can find it. But yeah, I started that and I think it was like 2015, maybe. Yeah, it was just more. 
I'm an actor, voiceover actor. You know, I've been in SAG for uh, since whatever, a while, like 15 years. So you just never know when that like, to keep to keep sharpening the sword, if you will, you know, your voice and just I've always been inquisitive and like talking to people. So that's kind of where it's me speaking to you came from. First, uh, first guest was Pat Militich, UFC Hall of Famer. Had him on a few times to talk about a myriad of stuff. And um, after one of the episodes, he asked to do the conspiracy farm with him. And I was like, dude, you're kidding right now. So it took me to really get that he was truthful about it or really wanted to do it. And it was we were off to the races, man. It was um, it's been a fun ride. We don't do it near as frequently because, like, you know, our lives are just like different places and we're just doing a bunch of other stuff. But we still do it like when he was on Joe Rogan or Stone Cold Steve. I mean, it just really helped bounce the show. So as we start doing it more less frequently, I kind of start we start thinking about like kind of rebranding the platform. So instead of just being about one show or even my show, expanding it for up and coming podcasters, because I mean, especially now, I mean, there's an ocean of podcasts out here. So even just even with our platform, we just top five million views. I mean, it, in the in the world of podcasts, it's really whatever. It's something because it's an accomplishment. But it's a it's a it's a head start, if you will, for up and coming podcasters to kind of get their their voice out there, their show out there, their content out there on an established uh, platform or network, if you will. So yeah, we've uh, just been slowly adding to it. We got uh, I got some fantasy sports guys coming up. I got uh, former uh, Raiders wide receiver Kenny Shed. He does a show on there called K Shed Uncuffed. He, after he retired from the game, he went on to become a police officer. So it's, he has very interesting conversations as well. And we're just slowly adding to it, man. I, I don't I take the platform very seriously. So I do have a you know it's. It's not just anybody can can jump on it because I want you to be serious about what it is. You know what I mean? It's, we worked really hard to establish this platform and the numbers, et cetera. So I want people to who are coming on board to take the platform as serious as well. And just adding to it, man, just adding to it. That's awesome, man. I like that your your platform has, you know, I want to say like regular people, like we're not regular people or you're not a regular person or whatever. But sometimes sure. you get caught up in all of the conspiracy talk or, you know, you know the truth movement, whatever you want to you know phrase it or whatever dumb name it has. But yeah. you know, I I love stepping. I love being in this. I I love being in my deep Twitter dive and everything else, and you know, seeing what's happening. But then also like stepping back. And I live in the Philadelphia area, so like watching the Eagles and watching the Sixers mm-hmm. and like listening to regular music. And not everything has to be like, oh, but you know, the NFL does this or the NBA. And just right. nice to step back and like just regular people and, and and see what's happening and immerse yourself in that. It can it can be a lot, especially as when we were doing the conspiracy farm, especially during COVID. Like we were crushing it. We were, I mean, as far as our, that, our kind of podcast goes, we were in the top fifty on news and politics on iTunes. We were beating like CNN stuff, Fox stuff, because we were just we were locked down, so we were just pumping it out, at literally in almost an episode a day is what it really was. But it can be very taxing. And again, like anything in life, you know, moderation and do things in balance, like you said, have an off switch, if you will, because this can be in this world can be really <laughs> can be pretty heavy at times. Yeah, typically I, I try to stay away from the third real topics, and that's really easy to do because that's my choice. And then the politics, if anything, I try to go to the middle. And like honestly, for politics, like I hate both sides. Like no one they're all there to make money. And it's like unfortunately it comes out of our pocket. Uh so I try I try to organize crime, baby. It's all organized I, crime. That's, that's one all of it our is. common different heads of the mafia and and that's what you're doing and, and you hope that one's better for yeah. you or whatever it is but it it is it's all a scam but so i i think for this episode i i might dip my toes a little bit more into into that world and so we just mentioned covid and 
The other day, Alex Jones had breaking news that he talked to a, a TSA insider and a Homeland Security insider, and they were going to bring back mask mandates. Uh, starting the TSA for the workers were going to start in mid September, and then I think like in October they were going to do it to for pilots, and then by the end of the year it was going to be for everybody. And I love these predictions like this because you know we can find out in a month or two. And it's not like, oh, well, and you can, if, if, if you know how to sort of read the tea leaves, not that I'm some guru on it, but I've been posting on at Conspiracy Farm One on Twitter, you know, for the last couple, I mean, here we go again, like the COVID such and such, the variants ramping up here, the variants, and they've already teased the whole mask are possibly going to be brought back. I didn't hear specifically what Alex did and with through CDC or any kind of anything official, but this is kind of how these kind of things oftentimes gets the slow rollout of even though whatever i'm no epidemiologist etc but as it mutates it becomes less lethal so this new mutation even though it might be new is going to be less lethal but you know here we are in an election season you know same same stuff different day right so in atlanta i saw a college today i forget the name of the college possibly brown there was a longer name than Brown. I think Brown was in it. Anyway, so that they've been open for two weeks and they just sent a message to their students that they were going to start masking on campus again. And then one of the studios in California that they're going to start doing that too. I know there's the writer's strike, but I guess the studios still operate at some point with people in there who, who aren't writing, but they now have mask mandates. We have non-union. There. You have non-union stuff going on all the time. Right. Yeah. So so they've now implemented uh, the mask mandate for this, this new variant that Masks don't stop anyway, and and they become less lethal as as they mutate. So that's that's really kind of the on the face absurdity. The I mean, the N95 might be might be a little different, but I mean, it it gets into a larger conversation of you know, fool me once, and then are are we really prepared to do this again? Are we really prepared to do this again? So that's my question going to be for you. What do you think the response is going to be this time around? Do you think people took anything away from the last time? No, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, without of a, I mean, in this, it gets into one of these things that I have to talk about because we get so caught up in this binary right, left, black, white, gender, whatever it is, you know, any, whatever these mechanisms of division. But as we get into COVID, everybody's business was shut down. You know, if you had a business, it affected everybody. It transcended all of these things that are were divided upon. So this is something. It, it reminds me of this uh, young man's song that's just dropped and taken over everything. Oliver, uh, I forget his name, but the guy Oliver with the red Anthony. beard, Oliver Anthony. I mean, what he's saying is resonating with everybody. It's people who may not even like country music, but the message of what he's saying is like, dude, it's it's this. So to answer your question, will this work again? I think for some group of people, this kind of stuff will always work. You will always have some, to some degree of lack of a better term, order followers, if you will. But I think you'll there'll be much more pushback. I think this time, which I think's kind of been the, the the move all along, they're slowly incrementally pushing us towards this kind of much more restricted authoritarian state kind of thing. Not that I'm anxious to see, but I'll be anxious to see how this plays out. You know, you had you had the commissar kind of neighbors narking on people for having more than seven people in different states and cities. It can get gnarly, man. It can get gnarly. It could get interesting. I don't think everyone's, I don't think there'll be less that follow it this time, but there'll still be, you know, a government mandate to government mandate. And the the pushback could be interesting, could be very interesting. Yeah, that's where I'm kind of out on the line of it. You'd like to think that people learn their lesson or, you know, the people who lost their businesses that they're like, I'm never doing this again. But it's also kind of like the frog that's boiled in the water. Like if you just slowly tick it up a little bit, 
And then people are like, oh, okay, I'll wear a mask for two weeks, or it's only in the grocery store, or it's only when I have to go in, you know, whatever, Home Depot. And then they come out and now it's, well, just send your kids to school for three days a week with a mask. And slowly it ramps up and it's a slippery slope. I think well, and for, again, we're this is an election season, so no, next November we'll be here in a blink of an eye, and now we're talking about paper ballots and shit like that. Regardless of what you think about the election or whatever, it just opens that window of more of that conversation of like, is this on the up and up? Like they're bringing in these practices that we know aren't necessarily, I mean, nothing's really error free, but we know there was some. I don't know if I can cuss on your show, but we know there's some effery, effery around when it comes to the elections. Not even on, on both sides. I mean, you've had both sides. When, when Trump won, you had a whole bunch of them saying, like, you know, the Russians stole it and they interfered. I mean, we know there's effery in elections without a shadow of a doubt. So let's just open that words door, here. too. So don't, you don't have to okay. feel like you've censored yourself. I didn't, want to, I didn't want to assume. Yeah. Oh, don't worry. We love all the words. Why do you think, and this is a bigger question, and I know why the elections aren't secure. I mean, you can say one side cheated, or like, but both sides have cheated throughout history. Do you think this is just like as you're in power, you just deny it because you think you're going to be able to do it again? And then when the other side happens to win, they can't really crack down on it that much because they kind of used it too. Or, like, yeah, I mean, they all, they all, I mean, again, I mean, in my opinion, they're all a certain, when I say gangsters, they're not like your Capone, you know, Lucky Luciano kind of gangsters. I just had an episode, did an episode with a guy for Seth Ferrante that has a movie called Dope Men, the original gangsters of dope, basically. And it gets into all this kind of crap. But our, our mind, as far as mafia and organized crime, tends to be the five families, you know, Genovese, uh, Gambino, Bonanno, Colombo, Lucchese, you know, the, the New York families in New Jersey or whatever, But which is true. Which, But the block is much bigger for the big gangsters, you know what I mean? So I think that really exists. What was the question? I'm sorry. Why do you think nobody really cracks down on election interference? And oh, yeah. They right, just right, push right. this false they're... narrative from both sides. They're all doing it because they're all really doing it. And I always say, like, when you see somebody get pinched for this, like sex stuff or prostitution, they're all doing it and they're all compromised on some level. That was kind of what Jeffrey Epstein's job was, among other people like him, to keep compromised and put them in certain positions. When when they get pinched for it, it's like, all right, well, who'd they piss off? Because you're all doing it. So for the fact that you called him out, OK, you must have pissed off X, Y, Z. And now they're pulling out the file they have of you of the whatever it is, the compromised material. So. I mean, they're all they're all playing a, a very interesting game. And, I, and again, I think it's all kind of organized crime. It's it's also at the same time, WWE to a large extent, but they're fighting over the block, which is the world. But a lot of it's still there's a lot of Vince McMahon going on behind the scenes. When I say Vince McMahon, putting things in motion, if any of that makes sense. No, I mean, I, I definitely think it, it does. And that's why, you know, I was saying for both sides that in general, I don't trust the government on either side. Like, I don't want one side in power more than the other. You know, I think it should be a smaller government and back to the people. And, you know, I get like, we need trains to run on time and, and roads fixed and airports and things like that. But we also don't need them sure. in every part of our life that they're infringing upon already. And it just makes it interesting that as you see, you know, the Republicans are, I think they're in control of the House now, but like this, so they try to pass stuff and they can't get it in, into the Senate. Right. But they don't do anything. Because right. they don't want to That's do it. They, 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 they run the Congress, they run the House of Representatives, and they're doing these oversight hearings, but they're literally doing nothing about uncovering, you know, whatever the Bidens are doing, man. Clearly, it's there's some shady shit, which doesn't surprise me because they're all doing it on some level. But it's interesting that you're indicting the former guy, which whatever, if you did something wrong, take care of it. But I hate to be, you know, but Hillary gets 
the unclassified server and walks away. I mean, it's just this this non-legitimate, the selective kind of butthurtness on why we're mad at this person, but why this person gets away with it or whatever. It's, I find that interesting. Kind of the, I don't know, WWE side of it. Because I think a lot of these indictments for Trump is partially a work. I know I, one side says like they know they want him in jail, which I mean, I guess there might be people who do, but there's going to be a larger reaction and in, in subsequent effect to all these indictments. And even if he gets in jail, whoever's come in is going to, they're going to pardon him unless maybe it's Biden. I don't know. But I think in most of this is theater, as they say, the world is a stage. And a lot of this has a lot of theater to it. In my humble yeah. opinion, it could be wrong. I think you're on the right track, if not on the exact track. Uh, they were talking about trying to start some of these trials in December and January and middle of uh, you know convention time. I really think it's just to scare people off for voting for him, who who would? Yeah, or, for sure. Or but, the, it's, but it's it's literally backfiring, according to the as each indictment grows, it becomes. That's why I think they're making kind of a martyr of him because he's saying, "Hey, this whatever deep state is after me," and we're watching like, "All right, we know they're all corrupt, but four fucking indictments, like, damn, bro." While we sit and watch all the like, literally, literally cocaine being found in the White House, and we know who occupy you know occupies Hillary. I mean, all of it, like the fact that they're so focused on this while this other stuff, it's. It's pretty fascinating, quite frankly. It's going to be interesting, yeah. You know, as I, you know, see history being written in real time, that it's not what's actually happening. It will be interesting, like to step back twenty years from now, you know, with a clear eye, and then see how this was and like how it turned out. If we're still here, well, you know, hopefully, you know. yeah, <laughs> hopefully you will have learned your your Mandarin and your Cantonese by then, because yeah, yeah, China, China's, China's the model, man. China's the model for where we're going. Uh, it it is scary times over there. All right, so we uh, mentioned Oliver Anthony in <laughs> passing. He wrote a song called "Rich Men in, North of Richmond," and it came out on YouTube or Twitter or something about a week ago. And now it just hit number one on the Billboard Top 100. It was the first time. Uh, I think there's only one of six. He's one of six artists, I believe, who have ever went from not being anywhere on the Billboard to number one. So Amazing. his song is. Uh, it's country. It's a little more like bluegrassy. It's very, very country twangy. Uh, but you know, the message is, has kind of a depression era message. Uh, there's the, the North men of Richmond is Washington, DC. They make all these decisions. They want to control your money. You're not really saying anything for your taxes, things like that. There has been selective outrage. There's been, this is like right-wing dog whistles. Uh, the mainstream media is coming out and telling you why this isn't even art to begin with. And if he's such a loving American and a, a Christian, he's a, if he's if he's all these things, why is he saying bad things about people in the song? But he's talk talking about taking advantage of welfare. Why is he saying bad things about the song? And if he loves America so much, he should just write this rosy, rose-colored glass song of all the positive things America is or could be. And you know, to step out and have an opinion otherwise, you know, is offensive. To the mainstream media, you can't do that. You can't yeah. do that. Have an yeah. opinion contrary to the status quo. It's dangerous waters, man. Do you think that the support for him is real, or do you just think that it's so anti, like Hollywood mainstream that people are clinging to that? I mean, it's whatever. It's one of the Newtonian laws of physics, right? For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Somebody's going to always have something to say about something, right? I mean, I don't really. I don't know. I really take ownership and really am focused on what I give my energy to and people's reaction on shit. Like, I don't honestly, I don't. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, but I really don't give a shit because I'm like in my own lane doing my own shit. That song knocks, dude, whatever he is, if it was organic or non-organic, like I said, the lyrics and then the way he like almost hauntingly like 
like I'm not, I'm not making fun of it. He like belts it out. He viscerally feels what he's saying, or at least he's playing it very well. That's why it's resonating with so many people. And for me, that's more what I give a shit about. I mean, someone's, I don't, you know, they're after fucking, what's that song? Uh, that that Christmas song. It's cold outside. Like, really? That's yeah. what we're doing. Granted, it is a little creepy, the video. I mean, whatever. But I mean, this is, but you, meanwhile, we have wet ass pussies and drill music and all this other horrible crap. But this is what we're going for, really? Our priorities and our selective butthurt has just shines through shit like this. Because for me, again, it's one of those things like COVID. It, it transcends race and politics. The middle class is getting fucked over, doing more work for less pay, dollars buying less. Our money's going off to subsidize. There's only tens of billions to Ukraine and we're subsidizing their retirement. And whatever you think about the war of Ukraine, like this allocation of funds is fucking next level. And this is going to have, and it already is having a very detrimental impact on our economy. So like something like this is really, like I said, it taps into that zeitgeist and it's really kind of laser focused. And he had that total package. He's a, he's clear. I don't mean this disparagingly. He's clearly a, a less than. I mean, a middle class. You know, he's out in the fucking woods with his two dogs. I mean, he's almost doing the archetypal hillbilly look or whatever. But I mean, there's obviously more to this man. And the things he's speaking and singing about is clearly resonating with everybody. And this is all just speculation, but that intertwined with even people kind of on the middle or the left, like, all right, you hate Trump, but fuck, dude, really? It's while we're watching all this other crazy shit play out again, something like this. So salient and laser focused, like pew, it cuts through all the bullshit and it makes it harder for them to keep selling us this bullshit. Cause you can't tell me whatever. I'm sorry. I'm going off, but you know, the, no, no, the inflation's not here. Like the economy's fine. Your money, your dollars buying fucking shit tons. Like, no, we're all living in it. We're I'm $3. I'm up the street and here high ridge out in the boonies in Missouri, $3 and 60 cents for a gallon. Of, you know, whatever. That's how so rich of a nation that we has are. To say about like, it. like as milk goes up, like you should be grateful that we're that rich of a nation that like milk could even be eight dollars a gallon. You know, like that's what they try to sell you on. And it's like, no, that's like not how inflation works. Like, no, you don't right. get it. You should be very thankful. You're, you're yeah. yeah. You're it, this is Weimar Republic type shit. You bring in all your Deutschmarks or whatever it was, or you're for you know, a loaf of bread, millions of marks for a loaf of bread or whatever. I mean, that's essentially where we're hopefully not going to knock on wood, but that's kind of where it's going. And again, I think this is by design because they're brought to bring in something else, the CBDC, the central bank digital currency type shit. Like again, China's the model. So that's a larger conversation, but they need yeah, us so divided though. Going back to the root of what you're talking about, they need us divided to so create those groups, separate those groups, play those groups off against each other. That's, that's the, you know, whatever they call it, neo-Marxism, Western Marx. That's, that's Marxist shit 101, bro. While they do what they're doing up here, we're arguing about bathrooms and who can piss in a bathroom and just, I mean, it's whatever. If you're trans or you have shit going on like that, you know, fight your fight, bro. But it's much larger than any of that. Right. They want us they fighting at the lower level while they're controlling stuff at the top level without organizing to like even see what they're doing. Right. And then for, you know, yeah. Oliver Anthony, you know, uh, he's like Appalachia and like complete to them. It's just like a flyover state, you know, like, oh, how yeah. could. Ohio not vote for us because you don't fucking go there, man. That's why they don't vote for you. You know, you don't care about them. Everything you pass has nothing to do with them. And that's what this guy's singing about. And yes. if you don't like the song, I, I do recommend you just look at the lyrics and the, uh, I forget his name, the, the Marine rapper. Uh, he, he did a little rap over it. that was, you know, kind of a different take with the, the beat, uh, with, uh, hmm. Oliver Anthony playing the guitar and the background part of it, but everyone's saying the same message. And, you know, I, I think maybe one of the reasons they're trying to, you know, these elitists, you know, the Atlantic are like, let me tell you why this song is so bad is, is like, this is the type of stuff that could like really unite people. 
for them to look at this and be like, hey man, like all of our dollars are hurting. No matter how well off you're doing, your dollar is still not buying what it did before. Yeah. You know, and they're saying, I, I think the last I saw was on average from last year, a household spending $800 more per month. You know, like the average car payment is like $1,000. That's why when people like deny this shit, I'm like, you should be more ripped because of the fucking gymnastics you would have to do to rationalize making this okay. Like you said, no, man, you live in a country where you get to pay $8 for a milk. It's, it's, it's messed up because, again, I think this is a very much larger conversation of why we accept it going back to your talking about COVID and stuff. I think there is a certain, and I use this phrase all the time, it, and I don't mean to oversimplify it, a mass kind of Stockholm syndrome where we continue to believe the same motherfuckers who have lied to us over and over and over again. It becomes, they can, they would never do that. Like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> I mean, things we have to point out that has been lied to us about on like an egregious level. It, but again, this gets into something, again, I talk about, and I hate to keep saying that, but I do talk about this on the phone, like a trauma-based, fear-based conditioning is how they hit the masses with, scare the shit out of you. So then you're more willing to, that Hegelian dialectic of problem, reaction, solution, they create the problem, we obviously react, and they bring into the solution to the problem we create, but it's much, it has a, oftentimes, a trauma-based, fear-based to it, 9-11, Gulf of Tonkin, I mean, it's WMDs, COVID, I mean, it happens quite often. Even the Maui fires are saying they're just because of climate change. And they're saying that the the people's poor reaction to putting the fires out was because of the stress of climate change. Like they didn't release water to put it out because that person was stressed from like that is such bullshit. Like answer the question directly when they're asking you, like, how many people are missing? And they just gloss over it. It's sad. And you are hearing that already. You are already hearing that. And yes, that's Again, not to go too deep down that rabbit hole, but climate change originally, until they rebranded it, was just a, another base of eugenics and how fucking how saying human beings are the worst. Too many human beings, man. We got to get rid of you guys. And now it's tied to CO two, and we're now the ones creating all of this drought. All of this, I mean, of course, we have an impact on the planet or whatever, but it's a hustle. Not to say climate change, of course, climate change. That's why we have fucking seasons. The climate changes, we get it. But I get what people are talking about in larger macro, our impact on the planet. I mean. Plan's going to be around, been around a long time before we got here and will be well long after we're gone. But this is this is the hustle to move us into whatever you want to call it, the fourth industrial revolution, the great reset. This is all part of this hustle. You no, know, I agree with that. Because, In my humble know, opinion. I agree with your opinion because I don't, they don't lay a plan out. Like for COVID, it was always each day they were figuring out like, no, we're still two weeks to, for the curve. We're still yeah, two weeks. Yes. And you're like, dude, it's been like two years. And yes. for climate change, it's not like, hey, here's our 10-step plan. It's like, here's our plan number one. You're going to pay a ton more in energy. We're going to cut off electricity. We're going to put up windmills. And we're going to give China and India, who's a, the biggest polluter on the planet for CO2, we're actually going to give them your money that we're taking to have to help them for equity and not actually to solve the planet. But if they laid out a 10-step plan and said, hey, like this is the best way, I think everybody could agree, Like, what can we do better for the planet? I bring for up sure. Boyan Slate all the time. Boyan Slat Slate, he was on Joe Rogan one time. He does the ocean cleanup project. He's cleaning up the Great Pacific Ocean garbage patch. He, he's like, I heard, he's heard like about this, yeah. He's an like, amazing kid. He's like in his 20s now, though. He was on Rogan. He was like 18. But everyone says it. Oh, it's, the problem's too big. You can't do it. And this guy was just like, well, what's the problem? I'm going to go try to do it. Like everyone else just saw it as, as too big. And like he laid out his plan and he has these steps. For and sure. He, he's actually doing it. You can get behind him. Like, what is yeah, like that you for said, our bigger the, problems? Oh, for sure. There, I mean, that's, you know, it's a it's a small bite of the whale, of course, but I mean, everyone needs to be biting at the whale of, you know, all these different ways, like you said, to help help the environment. But I mean, ultimately, I mean, I don't know. I know a lot of people care and stuff, but 
I mean, multi, you know, not to get into the cobalt conversation, but the reason we're talking and we're talking on our phone is because of cobalt and cobalt's slaved by kids and human slavery and the, you know, Eastern Congo or whatever it is. So again, we we do the mental gymnastics to rationalize, but I need my laptop and my phone for my my podcast. See, I got to get the word out, but we don't mind using and benefit from being the, the fruits of that kind of labor. So I, I, not literally, but kind of, we're all kind of full of shit. And again, we all do our best to rationalize, like I said, our, our we're we're butthurt about this, but we don't say anything about that. Like we're really mad about the Oliver song, but the multi-million dollar multinational corporations that pay these kids, particularly drill rap. And I mean, I'm old. I used to listen to gangster rap and shit too. But like they, they pay these guys to profit on the death of a community. We don't say shit about that. You know what I mean? And the gun violence proves it out. And this gets into much larger social issues as to why this is bad. But I'm just saying, why are we mad about that? We're mad about freaking Oliver and it's a dog whistle and this and that. Like really, the motherfucker, like you said, he's one of the one of six people to ever be on the bill, unsigned to be on the bill. So anyway, going back to what I was saying, we'll, oh, people will always find a reason to hate on something. But again, the selective butthurtness then kind of calls them out when they're so adamant about this or that. But silence church mouths about certain other things. Right. It makes it hard. You know, yeah, even the people are like, oh, I'm going to go boycott Target. Like, I don't want to go do this. Like, okay, well, do you look at where your clothes are made? Like every single shirt do you buy, do you see? Like if it's made in Taiwan, then it's probably a small child doing it. Or like, you know, your iPhone. 15 that you had to I get. I mean, Nike like wasn't like Nike. Yeah. Like, we know what Nike is, but we, we, LeBron, Michael Jordan. I mean, again, we rationalize this shit. And I don't know what really the solution is. Cause I mean, it's like I said, we're all in some way kind of full of shit and, and our own, even just participation in the system, it helps keep it going. Cause that's the only way it really can thrive is if we participate in it. So here we are. It's tough, man. Uh, I, you know, I think a lot of people want the world to be better or to at least move as like a smoother machine. And it just is, is, is the problem too big that some people just shut down. Is it? And I wouldn't, I mean, if, if, it's, it's, I think it's one of those not to overuse a kind of cliche. I think it's John Lennon. Like if the world wasn't run by psychopaths, I think we'd be pretty good off. I mean, I don't think the problem is too big. I just think we have too many people who are in control of shit who really don't have our real benefit in mind. And we see that play out every single day and have throughout almost history. The people in charge look at us as kind of ones and zeros. That's why I always say in, I didn't coin the phrase, but like the matrix is more of a documentary. We're just fuels for the machine. And I don't know, like I said, it's if the world wasn't run by people with such ill intentions, I think it's not necessarily the problem. It's people who are running the problem who really don't want solutions. Right. They get these cush jobs running it, uh, even both sides. Well, and they operate off of like societies do order of chaos, man, order out of chaos, create the chaos and then benefit and or bring order to the cash you created. Happens all the fucking time. Right. Like the elder abuse that happens in government like she just they had diane feinstein get wielded the poor woman is 95 years old should be in a, a nice home being taken care of by her family and then she has an aide whispering her to like say the word yes as there's a vote she has no idea what's happening mitch mcconnell completely just blew a circuit the other day he was standing at a, a podium to give a speech and just did not move for 15 seconds did they call 911 did they get a doctor to come look at him this seemed like stroke-like symptoms did yeah, they take odd. him for a check? No, they took him off stage for 10 minutes and brought him back out. And he's like, oh, I feel better now. Like people don't freeze like that for that long. You weren't no, trying to no, no, gain no. a thought. Like there was a medical episode happening. But to speaking of Diane Feinstein, they no one ever really went into that whole I had a Chinese spy as a driver for the last 20 years. Kind of left that alone. Interesting. Or the think, who was it? Peter, Peter Swalwell, who was smashing on I think your Fang Fang or something like that. Like just went away. Just went away, but but Trump, 
and is paying off hookers. <laughs> that rises to the occasion. It's ridiculous. It's hard to take it serious, but it is serious because the implications are so serious. Yeah, I, I think probably both sides were making money off of China, and that's why they don't. Oh, without a doubt, really speak up. You know, and then if you're going to go nail her, then maybe you look at some of the people who are married in Congress and and where their spouse came from. And China's Mitch, long-term Mitch plan. McConnell. Oh, <laughs> Mitch that, McConnell. Oh, right. oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And, you know, the I think there are pretty confirmed rumors that if you are a Chinese nationalist, for the most part, allegedly, uh, that you are always to service of your government whenever they come calling. When China comes calling for you to come go to university and get paid and go get any job and any high type and work your way up as high as possible, you're going to repay the state. Well, I mean, in, in, in so many words, but yeah, the infiltration, if you will, right. has been happening for a very long time to the point where I think it was last week or two weeks ago, we heard or the report was the Chinese CCP, even though it's kind of small money, like whatever it is, 17 million into different school districts. Yeah. I mean, they're just publicly acknowledging it, but that's already been happening for a very long time. That's why like when that Miss Munt Act, I think it was the National Defense Authorization Act, legalizing propaganda. We can do it now, even though we've been doing it forever. We can now legally do it. So it's just like, it's ridiculous. It really is. And letting, I guess, foreign nationalists were letting a country, China was buying up properties around military bases, like all military bases, and they were just letting that go through. And they do nothing to stop it. Repossess the land and give it back. Well, I mean, people forget about Chinagate when essentially there was a huge tech transfer to the Chinese via the Clinton administration and the U.S. government. Yeah, I think because if you speak out of that, then you know, you're going to get cut off from the faucet. They're going to turn it off for you. Well, yeah, I mean, because I, mean, I have had the chance to interview General Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. And regardless of what anybody thinks about him, I was interviewing the former head of the NSA and a guy who was promoting a book about fifth generation warfare, which I find fascinating. Nonlinear asymmetrical warfare, I think, is very fascinating because it's not with a kinetic war. You know who your enemy is but with asymmetric, nonlinear type stuff, you know, propaganda, assassination, cyber attacks, economic stuff, stuff that plays behind the scenes is what we're really, really seeing. So, yeah, it's, it's, it is it's the grand chessboard. And the power, to me, seems to be shifting in this way by design towards kind of Eurasia, not to get too deep into like the one belt, one road, what China's doing. But this is a slow roll into a, a, a change, if you will, of the world as we know it, as far as country sovereignty, borders, monetary units. Well, they said the big Global. meeting on BRICS. But I, so I today or today. tomorrow, it's happening right now. Yeah, yeah, they're having it today, and then Putin had to, um, I guess, zoom in or whatever he was doing because he has a uh, international arrest warrant out for him. But China and Russia were both saying for Africa of how we're going to support you. We're sending money to South America. We're sending money to Africa. We're going to be your new support. We're going to help build you. And well, they already this- are through through these through the cobalt and mining rights and shit like that, and the rail systems they're setting up. I mean, they're just they're they've already set up shop in the continent of Africa as well as South America, Central America, basically Latin America. I mean, they're going in and helping these guys get their shit out of the ground. I mean, of course, they they're taking it over kind of on the low, but yeah, this is the this is the new global paradigm. I don't know if they're setting China up for a fall, but they're they're allowing the whole infrastructure to be set up via the Belt and Road, so. And I don't know, again, as globalism takes over and borders kind of start dissolving, will it always be a China? That's why I'm sorry, going back to what I was talking about, about Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, he's like, we got to stop with the whole nation state versus nation state, Coke versus Pepsi. We're always, or, you know, we're always taking that Pepsi challenge of the binary black and white. It's like, it's always deeper than that. But they use our inherent tribalism to like fire up the Chinese, fire up the US against, you know, that East versus West clash of civilizations. Meanwhile, all of these other machinations are taking place behind the scenes, like I said, i.e. asymmetrical warfare that we don't necessarily see. 
But like at the end of the day, he even agreed. And I even said this, like China's taking shit over literally, and they haven't fired a single fucking shot. That's the whole difference between asymmetrical fifth generation warfare and like kinetic warfare. You can't just go bombing into taking pieces over. You want to take hearts and minds, not just land and resources. You want to, you know, get the 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 populace's uh okay, if you will, as you go in and pull all their minds out. You build infrastructure, you build homes, you build hospitals and shit like that, but you also own their mining rights, which is that kind of like sleight of hand, which is kind of how they how they roll with it. Sun Tzu, the art of war, like they say, a war is won before it's ever fought. And that's what's what, the, what they're executing right now. Right. We're definitely in for a very interesting next few months to see what's going to come out of all of this. Uh, and then especially with BRICS really kicking off and if it's going to uh, supplant the U.S. dollar, the petrodollar, and they're going to start trading in that, it's going to be uh, not great for the United States, apparently. And, uh, you know, we'll see how that plays out. Yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, it's literally shifting right in front of our eyes. That's why I often say on the show and like on our side, or just like the, the the global chessboard, the grand chessboard of, as we see it is like, not to get too deep into this, but like when I was in community college in like the mid early 90s, Dr. David Krein, rest in peace. He told me about the Spratly Islands and he said, told me ages ago. I don't know how he knew. He's a very, very brilliant man that this was about to happen. China's going to start building bases on this area called the Spratly Islands, which has billions and billions and billions of barrels of natural gas and oil that no one's ever really talks about but that's where they really set up shop with their in the south china sea taking that over to fuel this machine if you will of, of global expansion but yeah it's this this has been going on for a while dude this has been going on for a while but we're distracted by stuff ufos all, all the ground level stuff all the easy stuff so do you do you think the new recent government interest in ufos is just complete distraction do you think there's any truth to what they're pushing um, possibly, possibly. I mean, I think it is definitely a distraction and they're just so casual. I mean, people are like, no, they would never let the thing about the UFOs out because it would mess up everyone's religion. It would be such, such a shock, like War of the Worlds type shit. But they've been kind of already conditioning us through movies and, you know, Independence Day, E.T. You know, I mean, they've, they've been letting us know for a long time. But even though they're just movies, that kind of soft disclosure has been happening for a long time. I think there is a different kind of nefarious end to this. And I have my own suspicions on that. But yeah, I, th I think there's more to it than what they're talking about. See, I also think... I, I think it's definitely possible we've caught shit and been experimenting. I mean, this universe is a big place, dude. The universe is a big place. So... Right. So and then people just... say, like, you know, why would they use why would they use a ship? And I, I don't... This gets into a much larger conversation that I'm not really qualified to talk about, but I can hypothesize. It's less so much of a, like, hey, we're going from planet A to planet B, and we're taking billions of light years. I think, you know, kind of Einstein, they're folding time and doing some extra dimensional type shit. And I don't even think necessarily they're utilizing physical ships per se. I know that gets out there, but I def there's definitely stuff going on that we don't know about. God forbid. Let's just say that they are outer space UFOs and we catch them. Or let's even just say, you know, that we keep people keep saying that the government's 50 years ahead. The technology is 50 years ahead. Without a doubt. Ever, but we also don't really ever see that technology. Now, granted, well, it's the top point. secret, whatever it's going to be. But, you know, you would think that the triangle UFO, like we would have seen flown over Syria or Ukraine, they would take it for a But spin. we did. Like when, when they when they unleashed or let us see the B-2 bomber, the B-2 stealth bomber, that big fucker. But that I mean, that was they started constructing that long before they let it be known. This, I mean, this is the thing as far as tech. I, I'm old, but <clears throat> when they gave us Atari back in the day, in my opinion, they had Sony tech. But it's that slow rollout to make a shit ton of money. I could be completely wrong on that, but I think that's kind of a metaphor for this, what we're talking about. A lot of the stuff we see, could it be extraterrestrial shit? Of course it could be. And I think it's also 
reverse engineered shit from Skunk Works, from DARPA. I mean, it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. It could be extraterrestrial shit and back engineered, reverse engineered shit as well. So it's I a combination of two. Is so they can take that leap and put out more technology. Like it's not going to be so linear that you saw it go from Atari to 8 bit Nintendo to the 16 bit Atari yeah. Genesis that you're going to have that Atari to PlayStation. And you're like, whoa, where that, where, how, how'd you guys do yeah. that? But, and this isn't going to be for like the greater humanity. They're still going to find a way to put a price tag on it. But it's okay, be so this this gets faster. into kind of what I was saying earlier that I didn't want to get into. But I mean, you're no. I, in my opinion, you're absolutely right. They're basically going to sell the remedy, the same tech they were going to bring in to remedy climate change. Now they're rebranding it, and it's like, no, hey, aren't you cool? You're part of the Star Trek, Star Wars world of all this reverse engineered technology, and that's how they'll sell it to us now. As opposed to, I mean, they're still going to tag us and chip us and have everything monitored and shit, but it's going to be a part of this. You know, I, I could be completely wrong, but I think they're just rebranding and selling this shit to us differently because they were getting same with why eugenics had to rebrand into climate change because it just didn't play well pr wise like why are you saying you know there's only certain people who should live you you know elite motherfuckers so then they had to be like no you know agenda 21 agenda 2030 if you know what that is but that's essentially there was the release of this supposed alien tech if they were this new tech that's how they're going to get us into agenda 21 and agenda 2030 as opposed to the climate change which isn't working so well the greta thumbbergs and al gore's with their inconvenient truths isn't playing so well anymore Right. It's hard when you put a finite date on something happening and then yes. 10, 15, 20 years later, zero that has happened. And then they right. keep saying, but no, like in 10 more years, like, okay, well, yeah. it hasn't happened for the last 50. So, but then they, I mean, and I'm not, I'm no expert, but then they allude to like, dude, there was Hillary, the, the storm hit LA and a fucking earthquake went down. Like, dude, that's climate change. I mean, it's, or the fires in Maui, look at the fires going on all over the freaking planet. It's like their automatic jump is to climate change. And I'm sure there's like, if there's no rain and shit dries out, a simple spark can get some shit going. But I mean, I I just think there's, and that's kind of how my mind works. Unfortunately, I am I often feel there's always something behind the story. Not, every, not everything is a conspiracy, but I mean, just the things I'm hearing about like Maui and these fires and you know what i was just telling my girl remember a week ago like everything was blacked out in new york city because yeah. of the supposed canadian fires that swept down i mean so like this is all they're using it to, to keep pumping the narrative on climate change is my larger point like see how bad it is oh my god it has to be climate change it's funny uh we were at a phillies game we took a group trip with a bunch of people in the neighborhood a bunch of friends and so we go to the phillies game it was all on july 1st dj shack diesel was djing after the game like whatever that guy was getting paid like good for him he's never retired i think i saw that i think i saw a video of that unless he does that a lot i think i saw that he might it was amazing man uh he has a lot of energy and he just yells and like i I don't think he's playing diesel he he just hit play and he was having the best time ever so but we're hanging out we're like the top of the stadium hanging out a bunch of people and we end up talking to some guys from toronto and they're there for a bachelor party or whatever and it was hey guys like thanks a lot for all the smoke and they're like like, oh what are you talking about We, we have no smoke in toronto it's all blowing down to you yeah. So there they are with the fires right there, not even affecting them. But yeah, this that's is how you, you know, that, that, I kind of looked at that too, the wind patterns. It's like, you know, that that larger jet stream, even though it is right next door, if it takes that whole, I mean, that's a lot of energy. And it, yeah, interesting stuff though. I find yeah, it really was fascinating. Like, so you guys left where the fires were, where there was no smoke, it came down here, where there's zero breathe. fires. There's tons of, oh, yeah, just weird, just weird. So I, I see your picture behind you, and it's a uh, JFK, you know, president was slain. Did you happen? Yeah. To catch RFK Jr.'s interview with Tucker? I did. I caught chunks of it. I talk, yeah. caught chunks of it, yeah. I think he is so well-spoken, and the knowledge just at the tip of his tongue that like 
everything that he clarifies, just general in policy that he wants to do, and then his knowledge of of geopolitical for the last fifty years. Yeah, and when he started getting into his uncle JFK, and and who he thought did it, I, I just thought he the, was the fact that he had the balls to do that. And I think it even goes deeper. I think people downplay oftentimes the aerospace industry and the death of it, their role in the military industrial complex. But that's a whole other conversation. But for him to name, you know, the CIA and the FBI, which has been the third, it was, and of course, there's more crazier conspiracy theories, but that was like the third rail if you didn't think Lee Harvey Oswald with a shitty rifle did what he did on the sixth floor. But when he would, when he said things like, no, it was Thane Eugene Caesar who stood behind my dad and shot him four times. And you look at the autopsy report from uh, Dr. Noguchi. It was two two inches behind the guy's right ear. Sirhan was like five feet in front. And like that alone for me, close case, you can get into whatever about the magic bullet and, you know, this kind of crap. But that right there just lets you know. And if you know about thing, Eugene Caesar, how he just popped up on the scene, was a part of the aerospace industry. Yeah, clearly more to that. But the fact that he was balls enough to come out and say that is setting a weird tone because, like I said, I'm a little older and I'm I'm wondering, what, what do you think maybe the Kennedy thing just isn't doing what it did 20 30 years ago like the kennedy camelot jfk jr when he died i think it kind of died with that because that family just went through even more and more shit and then teddy kennedy died that 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 luster if you will or that's even the right word that you know what i mean it's just not playing as well and i think this whole generation has no fucking clue about jfk or rfk or you know what i mean well you know because they were america's royalty and you yes. know, they, they lived, you know, uh, off Massachusetts and they had, you know, beautiful giant homes and RFK Diana Jr. Sport. And, and JFK Jr., you know, he was in New York City and he was like, like a playboy out and about and he was living the high life, the good life. Uh, started was George about magazine. to run for the Senate seat that Hillary wound up winning. Hmm. Yeah. So so again, though, but but also more of that royalty and RFK Jr., now, granted, I don't follow the Kennedys on a day-to-day basis, uh, but I would say right. for 20 years, I had no idea what RFK Jr. did until he just came back onto the scene. So either he wasn't looking for the spotlight, you know, a Teddy Kennedy, like, you know, spotlight passed by it, you know, but like, yeah. so, so the name almost got tainted more as, as time went on. True uh, that. Now he's coming back and, you know, I, I would say he's not pushing Camelot, even though, you know, he's married to Cheryl Hines from Curb Your Enthusiasm, and, but for him to come out to really the voice his opinions like his his anti-establishment like i'm going to talk about things that are publicly known secrets that people whisper right. within these circles and i'm going to come out here and publicly say it and it affects my family and i'm not getting secret service protection and no. i'm going to say you could see the wheels write a book about dr Fi- the real dr Fi- that and that in and of itself is a freaking almost game changer for anybody who does something like that these days he was calling oh when he, he was going the 4d trick and uh, after the Anthrax. Patriot Act and, and Patrick Leahy got oh. uh, voting and the other guys, I forget his name, but two people who didn't vote for the Patriot Act, they're the two that got the uh, Anthrax sent to them that they traced back to Fort Detrick. And after yeah. they got it, then they voted for the Patriot Act. And to see that that came from the intelligence community to, to get leaked out, like that is insane. And for this guy yeah. to go on here to, for, you know, your, your top programs are probably Rogan and Tucker. Yeah. And then like a couple other people, but like, you know, he was on Theo Vaughn, I think before he started running, but even like, no, you're absolutely right. And the fact that the MSM, the mainstream just like completely ghosts him other than to talk shit about him, just lets you know, I I never sign on on this level. I never really know not to get too deep into that, but we're all looking for the savior. We're all messianic and like, Hey, someone's going to come save me. And now it's fucking Robert Kennedy Jr. But I don't think that's ever necessarily the case, but I think his candidacy is interesting. And I think the fact that they're ignoring him is interesting. 
And some of the things he's having to say, speaking truth to power, if you will, is very interesting, especially as it relates to who killed his dad and his uncle. Yeah, I think if you're waiting for somebody to save you, you're going to die waiting. But I think if you take inspiration from these people speaking out and you can apply that into your life or even low-level government, if you want to run for local school boards, you want to run for mayor, you can create more change for your circle than you could at a higher level, you know, which is it's it's in muck. It, you know, it, it's really it's hard a to change the phrase or whatever. Level. Think, think, think globally and act locally. We have to take our communities back know our sheriffs, be at our student or our city council meetings and things like that. Cause I mean, that's, I'm not saying it's too far gone on a federal level, but if it's, if we're going to make it work, it's got to happen locally. But then that gets into oftentimes federal money, tainting local shit, sheriffs and, you know, Homeland security money and things like, Hey, do this. or You're not going to get this federal dough. Very similar to what they did with like the interstate commerce act in the fifties to put interstates through the country. Like we're going to put I 80 through your state. Like, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, you're not going to get a shit ton of federal money. And that's usually how the grift goes down. It's like, they, they basically blackmail, but that's kind of a larger conversation. Again, it's all organized crime. <laughs> no, no, right. It is. But at the federal level, even when one side has control of everything, you still don't see sweeping changes. And then no. everybody was outraged. Oh, look at the squad. The squad's going to do this. The squad's socialist. They're They've communist. had plenty of time. They didn't They've had plenty shit. of time. Yeah. Like, at all. And it's all just this, this fear. This goes back to the, 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 the mass. Yes, of course. But when, when, like you said, nothing comes of it, there's nothing to show for it. But then the next crew comes back like, oh no, these are the real ones are going to do it. That's that mass Stockholm syndrome I was talking about. We, it, it, it's scary to realize how fucked up this shit is. Cause it literally it gets into like, oh, you're lying about this and this, huh? What else are you lying about? And then it really gets into the real question of like, man, you've been lying about this for so long. Now, really, what am I going to do about it? And usually the answer to that question is not what we like to romanticize. Cause like I was saying about cobalt and all this shit, we go along, even though we're pissed about some stuff, we go along to get along to a large extent. And generally when it comes time to putting our courage to our convictions to some degree and like really putting our foot down, like, no, this is it. It's the, the line's pretty far for us to really get, there's so much shit to get pissed at, but we just don't cause we're comfortable as long as my Netflix is streaming and my phone's working and, and I'm not saying it's about everybody, but that's kind of the malaise that kind of happens to certain countries or certain societies when they're just too fucking comfortable. And we definitely are, even though we know some foul shit's happening right in front of us or right around us. That's the hard part to separate and to get people. One, I think half people don't care. So they, they just go on with their life and they need the new Jordans and they need, I can't believe that the media told me Kanye said something terrible without you know, listening to him or appreciating that he has some mental health issues that he needs to address more. And he's also like creatively crazy. Like, I think that's like part of his brand is to like, how much can I stir things up because I'm this Andy Warhol type person? Yeah. It, you know, it's, that's my opinion on it. And I think sometimes he just says things more for the reaction than for what his true belief is. And he also says things without thinking them out. But hey, when you're a billion dollar company, you really shouldn't do that. But well, so and that's what we're attracted to. We're attracted to the controversy. Like we're we're literally in a fucking Jerry Springer type society. It's next level. You're seeing the groups, the flash mobs snatching up hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of gear and running out. I mean, it's, and then recording it. I mean, it's just it's next level what we're seeing. Uh, it, it's really you know those flash mobs and people not doing anything, and then you'll see you know a, a Walmart greeter tackle somebody and they try to fire that person for stopping theft and like, uh, okay, so I'm just not gonna do it. Well, anything. and they're having to close now Walmarts and a lot of places, dude. This is, I mean, this is, and like my boy said, oftentimes on the show when COVID, look at what's happening with people in society and their bellies are still full. Their phones are still on. Wait till that, wait till the zombie apocalypse where happened or the grid goes down. Like you think people are ratchet and fucking losing their mind now? 
wait till it goes really, really for real sideways. Yeah, you know, you have to hope that doesn't happen. But you know, hey, power no, goes I'm, out I'm for just, a week. Not, you know, the the food's not there, and like some of these people, uh, they're not. Well, this be. goes back to, and not that this is going to cause it, but like this this next lockdown that's coming, or the masks, or I mean, like that's not going to be met well by a lot of people. All the people who really knew and or who really knew beforehand to not get into this shit or knew, looked in hindsight it was like, see, I told you. And those people who like went with it are that's going to be a clash still, man. There'll be there'll be more on the people who are like I said. I think more people get it now, but it's not it's not going to be good, man. It's, and it's not just going to happen to the U.S. If they start locking shit down again, it'll be global. Oh and no, it's not going to go yeah. well. Oh yeah, and for what the first lockdown, everyone to go. Oh, my crazy friend who told me what's coming from China is not real, or you know. I don't even think anybody ever said the coronavirus wasn't real, but like they like to say that, oh, they, they were saying it's not real, just saying it's not as dangerous as people are telling you. Uh, yeah. But, you know, hey, masks don't stop, all these things. And they're like, oh, my friend's so insane. And now all that stuff is coming my out. My friend's a and, doctor. Yeah, oh, yeah. And now that stuff is coming out that, hey, like masks don't really do anything. And, you know, masking your kid up has really set them back. Probably their entire childhood. It's actually bad for you. Or yeah. ivermectin and hydro- hydroxychloroquine actually works. Right. Joe Rogan's not a fucking moron. But I think all Rogan's the things with the kids, they're showing that you know, depression has spiked in children. Domestic so violence kids. back in the day, freaking suicides, emergency room visits, people beating their freaking pets and their kids' asses, dude. It was it was next level what this did. Yeah. And we have the numbers on it three, almost four years later. So the fact that they're willing to ramp this up again, I mean, that's why I'm saying I think most people who really underst- understand this is like, no, 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 no. What do you mean? A mutated, less deadly virus? You want to do this again? And, you know, right. and with the election coming, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. So the people who spoke out, they're going to speak louder. And the people who judged in their head and were just like, hey, man, like, if you think that's going to stop you, like, you go do you and that's fine. We're still friends. I think that person now is going to speak out and be like, are you sure? Like, you would, like it's kind of stupid what you're doing. You know, before yeah. it was like keeping the peace. And I think now the next time this comes yes. through, it's going to be like, again, I hey, think man, we, we, we've come to understand the larger social impact of what, what happened with this. And again, not saying in any way, shape or form is not real. But I mean, come on, man, you get into the incentivizing all the stuff, death certificates, you know, intubations, resveratrol or not resveratrol, uh, remdesivir. I mean, it's just we we all know there was some fuckery afoot. But you're, again, you're still going to always have that contingent of the populace. You just whatever they say, lockstep. Do you think in January 2020, when those videos from China were coming out, that they were doctored? Like there was people collapsing on the street. There were, you know, a point that I always heard brought up, like China has a very tight internet. So it's like, how are these videos getting out? And that was kind of one of my, I mean, I'm not saying they're doctor, maybe not, but I was like, well, how are they getting out? Because they have, you know, they have kind of an intranet as opposed to an internet, I believe it's referred to, but it's it's very tightly regulated. So I don't know. I don't know. You just know anything more as we've seen with deep fakes and everything, anything audio or video or photographic you look at you have to have some measure of skepticism anymore, regardless of how real or legitimate it looks. And that hates, I hate to say that and like, oh, question every, you know, at least like if you're family photos, you know, the shit's real. I'm just saying the shit they're showing you on TV or whatever. Grain of salt, man. Did we go to the moon? I don't know. But I know they faked a bunch of shit. And so it leads me, I don't go down there. I, you know, friends with Eddie Bravo, and I'm actually going to be on a show here in a couple of weeks. Like, because they've lied about stuff like that doesn't mean we never went. Or the earth's flat. But I, I get that whole throw the baby out with the bathwater goes back to what I was saying about Stockholm syndrome. It's it, I know people who just like believe who do reject anything the government says. And I'm kind of in that camp too, but I also have discernment and some things are whatever. But some people are willing to like, nope, you lied to me once. 
I believe nothing you say. Right. It's all done. Like the, the NASA stuff is interesting and some of the stuff like they cut off or, or whatever it might be. And I think they would be better if NASA came out and said, yeah, I don't know if they went to the moon or not. I don't know. But one thing that I would, I would stake money on that that footage is not real, that that was filmed beforehand. And that was just because this was a nationalistic race between us and Russia. We had to get there first. And if we were banking on everything for us to get there and, and hey, I get the like, film and the x-rays can't go through the van. I get all that stuff. I get it. You know, See, but, that would have been my, that was another one but, of my points. Like, eh. But if they did somehow, if they did, they got up there and they, but they were banking on having that filmed up there and bringing it back at any point that mission doesn't go well. And Russia gets there first and brings it back. Russia wins the space race. Like we yeah. needed to win the space race. So we filmed it in a studio, sent those guys up. Did they go there or not? I don't know. That footage, though, I think that would have been aired no matter what. That 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 could have one, one, one of the lost one of the in du- space, and they would have still about, aired uh, it. You know. Yeah. No, no. No. I get it. I get it. The, um, for Neil Armstrong to step on, I've been in film TV production for the last twenty five years. Like, so Neil Neil Armstrong stepped off the freaking thing. Who's filming him with the camera? Is that the is that not the first person on the moon? If you're capturing him coming down the thing and he's like, "Hey, eagle has landed." So who's filming him? And even when the thing when the pod like jumps up the Saturn, not Saturn five, but the little, uh, whatever the lunar lander, that thing, you know, when it just bounces up, like, and it, the camera follows him up. I'm like, who's shooting that it left the poor guy there. Man. Automa- huh? They left some poor guy up there. Yeah. That's what I'm, that's, it's, it's not a, it, it, it's one of those kind of dumb questions, but then you're like, yeah, who was filming Neil when he touched down? Did they just, bro, we can't give you the credit. It has to be Neil. Right. So it's, I mean, there's this, there's this guy, there's this fifth beetle out there, or whatever you want to call it. That's yeah, like stage hand no Eddie, credit. and they're like, he's like, man, that was me. You're like, no, but he, right. he went, he was trying to get free drinks at bars the rest of his life. He's like, ladies, listen, I was the first guy on the moon, like, and he has no about? way to prove it. If he even yeah. lived, like if he was that guy, they right when he when he touched down, they probably took him out. Yeah, he's had like a tether belt, so as the thing went up, it pulled him up, and they just fished <laughs> him in. You know? That's about Poor the tech guy. they were using. Shit. Yeah. Have you uh, on Twitter? Have you seen any of this new MH370 stuff going on? The Malaysian plane that disappeared. I, nothing recently on Twitter, but I've heard it bits and pieces talked about a little bit more. Yeah, so you know the, the Malaysian plane disappears. I think it was like 2013, 2014. So apparently, there's. I'd want to say it's new video, but it's not. I guess it's a new Reddit thread has come up, and like two months after the plane disappeared, there were there was this, you know, alleged spy satellite footage that came up and then it shows three orbs circling the plane that creates some some type of portal and the plane disappears into Hmm. so strange probably not true probably doctored all this stuff there's a couple accounts on twitter that have just like refused to let this go over the last week and people are trying to debunk it even like a a mainstream like magazine article came out like saying how it was fake. Mick West obviously said it was fake. The guy's never said anything was real once his entire life. I, I'd love that guy to say one something obvious. I don't know who real. that is. I'm not sure. Who you that don't is. know Mick West? I think he was even on Rogan. Like he he. Oh man, he put nothing is real. Oh, everything is real to him. Every single conspiracy he has an exact reason on why that's not true. Oh, it's yeah, crazy. You know, they're it's out crazy. There. They're out there. Yeah, it's all good. So, so he he ripped it apart, but these guys apparently they they keep looking at the video and they're having other people look at it. And if you stabilize the images, it's showing three orbs circle the plane and then creates this black hole. So I'm like, all right, that's you know that's weird. 
probably not true. Like right? I said, so, anything you see video anymore, I mean, fuck, dude. I mean, it's CGI. And I mean, just it's the tech is everywhere where anybody could literally sit in a laptop and create some wild shit. But I, I always, you know, like, if unless I'm actually there, like, I don't know, dude. Like, I didn't, I wasn't there when we did or didn't go to the moon. Like, I always, like, I wasn't there when Kennedy got shot. I wasn't there for 9 11. But my considerations suggest XYZ. I don't ever necessarily do the, like, no, this is it. The whole, like, it's not impossible, you know, it's, it's probable or whatever, like, like whatever you're describing. Of course, I, I believe it could possibly happen because I believe there's a lot of shit going on out there that we have no clue of. Do I think it really happened? I mean, probably not. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, again, I'm in that boat. And again, I'd have to go and cross reference and fact check all this stuff. But also, sure. apparently, the guy who found all the wreck, there's like one guy that found like the four pieces of wreckage. It's all the same guy. And so, there's not stuff washing up. It was all washing up on like Madagascar and the uh, east side of Africa. Some of the stuff was washing up. And it's all the same guy who found the stuff. So if that's mm. true, that makes things even more suspicious for this. But, you know, so apparently these were top secret US spy satellites that knew where the plane was. They were going over. They redid the the flight path for it and they were showing. And then the plane was circling over a couple airports because I guess the size of the plane could only land at certain airports. And then hmm. people weren't responding. It was going there. So with this next one, this next one, and then these three orbs zapped it into the other world. I, when I hear stuff about suspicious downed planes, I, my first question is like, who was on it? Because my mind just goes there. I mean, plane crashes happen all the time, but like sometimes it's, you know, I know, I don't know if you've heard or familiar with the Titanic conspiracy theories on the Astors and the people who were resistant to the Federal Reserve Act in 1930. So they, they took anyway. So I often, I, my mind often goes there when I hear about plane crashes, and then you wind up finding out certain people are on there like, oh, you know, Senator John Tower back in the 80s, or, you know, the Ron Brown plane crash that supposedly was just whatever, this, just shit like that. Key bono, man. And when oftentimes stuff happens, it's like, all right, key bono, who's benefiting from this? And right. some again, sometimes it's just Occam's razor, man. The most simplest answer is, is what it is. But we live in a very Machiavellian world. So it's like stuff oftentimes is in no way, shape or form what it appears to be. Right, there's like three owners of a patent and two of them go on a plane and then it crashes. Like, why isn't somebody look at that guy? But instead, they're like, oh, yes. it just happened to be yes. a malfunction. And now this guy becomes a billionaire. Right. Yes. But you can, it's one of those things. It's always circumstance. You can never prove like, oh, so that's why they kill. It's always just like, no, no, it was a whatever the official version. It was a malfunction. It was, you know, whatever the, and you're always the conspiracy theorist if you happen to speculate else, you know, otherwise. If the official, when the official version becomes XYZ, Lee Harvey Oswald, Osama bin Laden, whatever it is, anything you say other than that, Sirhan Sirhan going back to that. You're a conspiracy guy. No matter yeah. how much you want to you can convince, like I said, with the Robert Kennedy thing, two inches behind his ear, that was a close case for me, dude. When the alleged shooter's five feet in front of him, all right, that's a wrap, man. But Whether that, it was yeah. Dane Eugene sees or not, it was, I don't know, it wasn't what the tell they told us. That evidence is so clearly right there, and then people don't buying that and then the warren commission moved jfk's wound like four and a half inches which if you just tell somebody like oh that's probably not a lot and then you look it's like from the shoulder to the back of neck is four and a half inches you know well, Jesus, even, they, they know, moved it the, half, the, half his body the bullet the magic bullet like dude this created what five six seven wounds and it's like a pristine condition. damn near pristine yeah so i, I had the amazing uh opportunity to interview dr cyril weck who's a Wecht, who's a forensic pathologist, he served on the Kennedy House Select Committee on Assassination. Our, our whole conversation, because I didn't have much time with him, was just about that and the single bullet theory. And he just like went through just how fucking just on its face absurd. Never in the history of ballistics have you seen anything like this that supposedly did all this damage. But that's, you know, like they said in JFK, they sold this lemon to the American public. Yeah. And, and then people still buy it and they don't want to go 
go yeah. back out on it. Because again, it goes, you know, okay, it wasn't us. It was the government publicly executed a president driving broad daylight through a major city in the US with his wife. And what? That's nuts, man. It's like Shakespearean type shit. We don't want to grasp how like wild some shit is. So yeah, they'll, they'll feed us the nonsense for sure. Does Eddie Bravo give you a hard time with the map behind you of the world? Or it's okay? <laughs> no, it's, it's flat. Has- I texted him. It's been a minute when I text him. He's like, you flat yet? And I was just yeah. like, no. <laughs> yeah. No, that's- not flat yet, brother. Eddie's amazing, that's- dude. He's. I'm looking forward to talking to him. So before we start recording, you know, I asked you if your foot was okay because you were dropping names. He said, Sam Tripoli. And I was like, oh, you're okay. <laughs> you know, but so uh, that that's really cool. I like- love Sam's a great friend of mine. I've known Sam a long time now, man. He let me open for him and Eddie when he came to St. Louis. I'm not even a stand-up comic, but he let me do it. But I, I've known Sam, I, you know, like everybody's going through shit in life and like life's been crazy sometimes. And Sam always calls, checks on me. Not that it, it's just a friend, you know what I mean? It, I'm chill, but it's just like someone to say, hey, man, just making sure you're good, man. And it's it's a beautiful thing because he doesn't have to do that. And he's a very busy motherfucker. So I got nothing but love with Sam for Tripoli. Loyal to the foil. That's it, man. He has a great show. So when you opened up, how many uh, were you nervous? Like how many people were there? You know, I was. There was quite a few people, but I just I was talking to a friend about it the other day. I've been I've been doing this for a long time, like interview. Even though it's a, there's a certain disconnect, but it's like I, I I'm a voiceover actor, so I mean I've been kind of in the realm of entertainment, if you will, for a minute. I've been rattled a few times. I've interviewed people, but it's never. It, when, long story short, when I got up there, I wasn't very rattled, man. I've been I've been doing this like on the mic podcast. I mean, I've interviewed fucking George Foreman, Christ's sake. Like all these, I'm not mean to name drop. That's not what I'm saying. But all of this got me used to public speaking and it's not that big of a fucking deal. People say it's like the worst fear of their life. Like, what are they going to do if you public speak? They're going to take away your birthday? You're just talking in front of people. So, you know, I, I announced, you know, MMA fights, boxing fights, this kind of shit. So it's like, I've been in that public sphere for a minute. So the real pressure, not that it was nervous, but just like trying to make my role's different. I can talk all day, as you can hear, but making people laugh and being funny, that's a little different. I'm a funny guy sometimes, but that kind of like formulaic, structured funny, like that's different. Creating an act. I was only, it was only five, 10 minutes, I think it was. But even with that, filling that with something funny was not easy. So you have to have like a tight seven and a half and then just keep saying, St. Louis, how you feeling? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. It, yeah you get, but I would say it, at least with a, Sam's crowd, from you know, from what I've seen and what I've heard, it, it's kind of if, if it's not going for you, then just dive into conspiracy stuff, and the people are going to eat it up, and like, it's, it's hard to be. Well, like I said, my my bit was only like five six minutes, maybe ten minutes, but then at the end we did do a Q and A, so they asked us questions, and that was like more my realm of like answering questions, kind of like this. But I mean, it was just really cool, dude, because years ago when I was a kid, I did stand up and I bombed fucking horribly, and over this many years, I told myself like, you gotta at least get back and try it one more time. And so when Sam came here, I was like, hey, dude, you want to open for me? I'm like, get the fuck out of here. But, you know, it happened. It happened twice. We did it twice. But it was just cool to get that off the, you know, check that off the list of like, you you wanted to do it. And I'm glad you did it. And I even did it a few times after. And I still might even look into it. But it's stand up comedy is not easy. <laughs> no, I, I can imagine, especially you go out there and it doesn't hit right away. And you're just like, ah, oh, fuck. Like, is it over yet? Can I just walk off? It, it didn't. I didn't bomb. I didn't. It was yeah. just. It was just a pressure to kind of just the pressure to be funny. I had a weird kind of sense of humor. And so it, it well, whatever they kind of knew who I was as well. Cause like knowing I'm being from St. Louis, like they knew kind of it was like the tinfoil hat comedy with Jeff who does conspiracy for him. So a lot of people who came out already knew who I was. So I've already kind of broached my weird sensibilities. So they kind of were already aware. So I don't know. It was fun though. It was absolutely amazing. 
No, I think that's great. I've never tried stand-up comedy. I like to think that I'm a little bit funny, but it's usually more like quick and like play on words. Or like yeah, if you say that's something, it. I can like <laughs> that's me. Zip something that's me. In. Yeah. Yeah. So to go up there with like a, a tight 15 would be like, oh my God, I don't know. Yeah, 15, know. I can't even, or a tight 60 or 45 or an hour. I'm like I said, I did five minutes, dude. And even that was like a fucking marathon. Yeah. Just like, knowing the whole thing of letting, dropping the bit, let it breathe. Like I, I talk too fast sometimes. So like, I'm just like, hey, and don't like Sam told me like, give them time to laugh, dude. Like calm down and give them a second to laugh at your joke. Don't just jump to the next thing. So there's a formula to it, dude. There really is. Yeah. When you see the pros do it, I mean, that's crazy. And then you'll see stuff like Chappelle like set the record by like a 24 hour bit. And like half that was smoking cigarettes and him just telling stories. Like Chappelle's funny anyway. So he could just tell you, you know, yeah, what he yeah, got at the yeah. grocery store and you would crack up. But you know, like even just up there, like for that long, like, dude, that's just nuts, man. Good for those guys. It seems a little bit much, but whatever. To each his own. It seems yeah. like a lot. Did you happen to catch Post Malone on Rogan at all? very little bit okay so he had like a four-hour interview with him i keep quizzing you about rogan this isn't like the the brian no, that's right. That's rogan, right. right so post yeah. malone like i know some of his music like my kid likes the spider-man movie so i know stuff on there and like whatever's on the radio uh so i was kind of indifferent about him but i'm like oh you know like i was driving to work like i'll check this out post malone man you you have better connections than i do you should see if he wants to come on your show this guy is ready to go he was all over he was all over, you know, Dr. John Brandenburg for Mars, that Mars was nuked. You ever hear any of this stuff? That there was a giant I've heard that war. theory, but I didn't hear it. I don't know that person. Yeah. So he was the scientist who found the uh, the chemical or the element that only comes from a nuclear bomb. And then we know this because we tested the air prior to our nuclear test. And then after yeah. this element showed up after. So Dr. John Brandenburg was working at NASA in the 70s. And we sent the rover up there whatever. And it came back and he saw, I forget whatever the element is. And, you know, he, this all top secret stuff at the time. And if you Google his name, he gives a very good interview. He he's very, you know, he's a scientist, so he's mm-hmm. a little dry, but it's, it's fact, 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 fact. Uh, yeah. I love stuff so, like that. I, yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's really good on there. So Post Malone's bringing it up. He's like, oh, I was watching videos about this. And he was asking Rogan if he knew about it. And Rogan's like, oh, I think I heard about it, but I don't know. And you know, he, he had a lot of detail in it, but so they, that was interesting. Then he was asking about the face on Mars. He's like, Oh, have you ever seen the face or all these artifacts on Mars? Cydonia. Cydonia, yeah. So there's a there's this other podcast. It's called Earth Ancients and uh, Cliff Dunning. I don't know how I found it one time, but he'll just go over a, a lot of the stuff is like weird stuff in America in general. And so he has these guys who and he had Dr. John Brandenburg on. Maybe that's how I found him, but Earth Ancients. So he has these these guys who are photo specialist and they went back and looked at the face so the first time they took the picture of the face you know people saw it then they came back around did it again what they did was they invert the image they darkened it they they messed with all the the scales on it to, to make it look blurry and not there anymore so yeah you know there, there are people that are going through and able to look at the raw data and extract the image out of it and you know apparently there's more faces up that there. was actually shown on cnn in the early 90s by dr richard hoagland He's the one who really cracked that egg many, many, many years ago. And he's still around, I think, with his website, Enterprise Mission. But he actually was on CNN with the Mars. With, it's got the, the D&D pyramid structure layout, kind of like the Giza area. You had the face and then you had these pyramids similar to the Giza Plateau. But yeah, it's interesting. I've always been into that stuff, dude. Always been yeah. fascinated by that. It's really fascinating. They show, you know, even things you can't argue, but go oh, on Mars, that's where an ocean was. And then so you see that, and then that happens to be at Cydonia, and there's all these ruins. And like, well, no, those aren't ruins. That like, okay, so a civilization just happened, you know, like here on Earth, we build stuff next to the ocean. Yeah. When you it's start unpacking kind of like- that one, dude, that's that's kind of one I've been uh, going deep on for a while. 
hopefully working on a docuseries about it. But yeah, that, that rabbit hole goes, when you start getting into how old everything really is, it's, it's a wild one. Yeah. I love, uh, you know, Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson and then how, you know, you could walk from Florida out to the Bahamas. I think it was like, you know, 40 or 60 miles. You've been able to walk that. That would have been where the ocean was then. But then people don't really go and look for ruins there and they go, oh, where's, where's the civilization if this happened? Like, well, you know, New Jersey's pretty flat out, but like this would have been an extra 40 miles out for us. Well, that's where that's where Bimini Road is pretty much right off that area. Right. And they and said, that oh, whole- that's just a natural formation. And of course, that didn't happen. But New yeah. Jersey, for the most part, is 40 miles wide, you know, at, at points. Like for me to get to to the shore, it's it's 40 miles and I'm 10 miles from Philadelphia. So you're saying if like, New Jersey has disappeared in 100 years, like, you know, a thousand years, whatever, you would just say New Jersey never existed. Like, oh, no, it's just Philadelphia. Of course, there's nothing there. Like, we're the ruins. Like, what, well, when you ruins? talk about the age of like the younger dryads, which I've actually had the, when, I'm not name dropping. This is what happened. I interviewed Randall Carlson a couple of times. But when you start talking about what the younger Dryas was, was essentially, you know, the, the age between certain like Plasticine or whatever it was, it, you, you, your area up in northeast like that, you're under like fucking miles of ice, which is grinding on whatever may have been there. So nothing is really going to exist after 1500, 2000 years if you're under two miles of ice that's literally just, you know, steel's gone, wood's gone. I mean, it's just gone. And that's essentially why there so much has been hidden. That's why it's so cool when you find certain ancient artifacts that, that were hidden and certain things like not to go deep, deep into it, but like the library of Ashurbanipal and the you know, Sumerian kings list and shit like that, that they found hidden that talk about, you know, certain disasters that have come cyclically throughout our human history. And just it dates back a long freaking time, not just Atlantis, but yeah, it's, it's next level stuff. I find it very fascinating. Do you give any credence to Tartaria and the mud flood and things like that? I've heard of Tartaria. I don't really know much about it. So it's just more of a like a Russian ancient civilization, and then somehow they erased them from history. But that was like the original, like you know, uh, all roads lead to Rome. Yeah, yeah. this was like the you know, and they had this technology, whatever. And then people are saying that's kind of went with the mud flood. That there's buildings in San Francisco that have just appeared, like the settlers went over. And then a year later, there's a whole city built. Like, well, where'd all this stuff come from? Where did you get the lumber? Why, like, mm. but, you know, how when you were went to install water lines, then why were the, why was there floors below the the dirt? You know, but you know, all these cities, there's not a lot of pictures of them being built, but there's a lot of pictures of them being finished. Yeah, yeah, interesting. You know, like, just like weird stuff like that. So like that stuff, you know, you know, I like to think about. But then you look at, you know, even when they found the Sphinx, it was covered up the sand up to its nose almost. You know, it was up yeah. up, up to its chin. Like, where'd all that sand come from? Like, how did it bury a pyramid? Like, how, you know? Well, and it, yeah, I mean, that just gives credence to the cataclysms that buried a bunch of shit throughout the world at, you know, in certain longitude or longitude, if you will. But yeah, and, you know, and when you look at once they uncovered the Sphinx, it began, you know, people like John Anthony West and Robert Schock were like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. This is not wind erosion on these things. This is, this was underwater at some point in time. And so they did the extrapolation to find out when water would have been there, which, you know, 12,000, 13,500 BC, et cetera, if not older in different times. But yeah, that's that kind of lends credence to the, what Graham Hancock talks about all the time is we're, we're a civilization with amnesia simply because they take these discoveries and our religious, our political, our, our, our academic institutions just double down on that original narrative. Nah, motherfuckers, you guys are 6,000 BC, fertile crescent. Shut the fuck up. And anything to the contrary is, you know, 
Harry, I think the yeah. new wave, the the twenty year olds out there now who are finishing up college and start doing this, you know, they've grown up with the Graham Hancock, with the Johnny Anthony West, with these specials that they've seen, and yeah. you know, I'm hoping that that kind of triggers a, a, a new, you know, a new science, a new understanding. I hope so. I hope so because I mean, I think our, our certain parts of the generation more and more, you know, the young, event it's the age of in the age of information ignorance is a choice and there's so much information and again it taps into that kind of zeitgeist we were talking about earlier of like everyone knows that we've been lied to about what there's a whole bunch of it but this is definitely a subject that i think you're right a certain niche group of, of young kids are going to take this on and be like whoa because for me as a conspiracy guy this is the mount olympus of conspiracies who we are where we came from and when you get into like finding out how really wrong our history is i mean it's it's next level right if i was a professor at any university and I'm teaching archaeology and I wrote a book and my students have to buy it. And um, you know, at one point I was a New York Times bestseller. Like, I'm not letting that shit go. I'm not gonna sit here and subscribe. Like th- like that's my whole career. That's that's no one's gonna buy my book anymore. I'm you know, well, that, you know not only just you know, tenure at whatever university, like that's what you've built your whole thing on. Yeah. That's why they can't let it go. Even if they know it's true, like you said, it's it's multifaceted. Not only is their reputation, their life's work. It's their tenure. And, and again, it's it's this whole conventional model and narrative of what is goes away. And they don't like doing that. I mean, it goes back to who was it? Not to Socrates they killed, but I mean, it was uh, Galileo. You know, it's just that simple. No, no, it's maybe sun's over here, the moon's or whatever. It is. It's like the earth's kind of rotating. Over. Nope. You went against that model. And anytime you go against that model, you're going to get you're going to get some heat for it whether it was yeah. 2000 years ago or in 2023 it's all the same man and then you'll be vindicated years later exactly well hopefully hopefully, hopefully that's the goal so you say you're working on a documentary now for some type of ancient history a, a docu series i'm kind of working on with uh, a few friends of mine um on on the subject yeah ancient civilizations just how old stuff is can you give us a little highlight a little tidbit yeah i mean that's pretty much i mean some of the more recent discoveries as far as archaeology is obviously showing that things are way older than what it is, but it, it kind of gets into our pre-Diluvian cities, which was Eridu, pre-flood, pre-disaster, and we're finding out where civilization basically picked up after this big disaster. So you're looking at basically Kish, which is in Iraq, and these new archaeological discoveries that are in eastern Turkey are really, really shedding light on a bunch of this. You're talking about megalithic structures that just shouldn't be there by people who did bronze tools and they're able to date it to certain eras. So you, you see a lot of megalithic structures with more modern stuff built on top of it. So what the, what the docu-series is hopefully going to get into is basically starting to pin down their ancient puzzle pieces, literally from all over the world where we're finding this different megalithic stuff that's not necessarily supposed to be there. If they're saying the Inca built these things in Puma Punku and Tiwanaku, these places in Bolivia and Peru, all right, they they couldn't have done it with these. They, they, we could see what they built on top. Again, more modern stuff. I get that, but the, the thirty ton, fifteen ton stuff below, we're finding a tie in a certain civilization that was advanced that spread throughout the world, and we're that's what we're going to get into. If that any of that makes sense, do you think with any of this UFO disclosure, you know, they had uh, they talked about recovering some ancient UFOs, like the antiquity. You know that the, these intact or crashed ones. Do you think there, are, if this ever comes out or whatever narrative they spin, do you think they'll tie any of this to the old culture? It's hard saying. It's hard saying, honestly. I mean, I think, I think there is possible extraterrestrial t- tie to some of the stuff I'm talking about. But I think I don't want to sell human beings short in this that 
we we were just built different before. Like you were talking about, you know, your Russian, the, the, your, your Denisovians, your Cro Magnon. Like these are big motherfuckers, dude. And we think they're just so stupid or whatever. But as we can see through the archaeological discoveries, they weren't nearly as as stupid as we've ascribed them to be. So again, the, the rabbit hole just goes so deep, and we just keep finding out stuff just way older and older and older. Is that the thing you're focused on most now? If like you could have one answer, is that like what you're where you're at right now? Yes, yes, because these these civilizations and these bloodlines, if you will, are the ones who've propagated the world as we know it now. So we're going back to literally the root of of you know the, your elite families that run everything comes from these ancient bloodlines from you know Sumer. It's yeah, that that for me that's that's the nut to crack right now. I really thought when they came out with LIDAR, you would see a lot more. Uh, so that's, that's the, um, they can take geographic surveys from above and see what's underneath the the trees, the canopies, the sand, things like that. Sure. Uh, so they found a lot of things in the Amazon. They found you know, cities that were completely grown over. I was really yeah. hoping that was going to change faster, You know, kind of like a Google Earth type of deal that they could do a LIDAR overlay. And like we haven't quite gotten there yet. There's a, a tour guide in Egypt. His name's Anxiety, and he's on Twitter. And I was Mm-hmm. talking to him a little bit and i was asking if they ever use lidar in 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 egypt and he said they they have and there are thousands of things that they have like marked off under the sand mm-hmm. but they're not allowed to they're not allowed to touch them they're allowed to dig them up yeah i mean that, that goes back to what i was saying about the city of eridu one of the first lines of the sumerian kings list which is a very very ancient one of the most ancient you know cuneiforms known it's called when kingship was lowered from heaven it was in eridu so eridu technically from according to these myth myths were one of the fir- the first city but you don't even know about it when you look at google pictures it's just like some ramshack just lump in the desert because i think when you start doing archaeological excavations start really start pulling this stuff out then it starts upsetting the apple cart as far as what we're talking about it's like the age of civilization etc that's why it's been allowed to and my, i have theories you know the whole iraq war whatever we can get in certain ge- geopolitical part of it but it was also part of an archaeological war because once it started one of the first place like certain secret intelligence groups hit was the library of antiquity like snatching up a bunch of stuff which could obviously put some light on some of this so yeah it's um not going on, man. It's fascinating. Uh, one time, Elon Musk tweeted out or X'd a picture. I don't know what you do anymore. Tweeted a picture, and yeah, it was his yeah. bedside table, and it was this a fake gun from a movie, the replica gun of I forget what movie it was. He had like a can of Diet Coke. This other picture, and then it was this old Indian, the country India, like weapon that was on there. It was supposed to be like the I don't know, like the the, the top weapon of the ball. And he like that was his bedside table. He's like, oh, that's my protection. And like, but you get it then you think, oh, the guy's a nut and he's joking. And then there was people who were giving backgrounds on what that stuff, on what that actually was. And it, and it was like, well, if that's really what that is, like it, it is, you're talking about really ancient technology and it's supposed to go back to when they, they were having the, uh, uh, I'm going to butcher it here, but you know, they had the uh, nuclear war in India and yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, like I said, there's Elon Musk is nothing is not what he seems either. He's he's got more going on with him than he presents himself to be. But yeah, I mean I'm sure he's, you know, he's a modern day Tony Stark. You know, he's probably very hip to a lot of tech that's been suppressed. Yeah. I don't Tesla, see why he wouldn't, I mean, you know, et cetera. He he's an interesting person, however you feel about him. And if you're a billionaire yeah. and you care about half the stuff, like why wouldn't you go buy these? You know. So that's you know, I, I like the ancient history of like what can we do? I also would love to know. If somehow we could get a record of people's private collections, you know, what did people buy up? What what is in oh, yeah. a person's own home museum that they've 
taken off the market that nobody knows about anymore. Yeah, that's a huge ancient antiquity trade is definitely a real, real thing. It's definitely a big market that cats like you and I are even multi-million. I mean, because you're talking priceless kind of artifacts that money buys it, but it's like you got to be pretty heavily caked up to be in these rooms. Yeah, it's like the Vatican Library and that between those two. I think it's an answer. A lot yeah, of our the British Museum, Vatican Library, without a doubt. Yes. Just fascinating stuff. It is. All right, Jeffrey, what do you have coming up? What, what can, uh, what's, what's going on? I'm just staying busy, man. Just like I knocked out a couple pods today. Like I said, it's hard to, for me, just with everything going on, it's hard to get like a schedule, schedule, structure, schedule. But like I said, between the farm and my show and I produce other shows for the network, we, we get her done, man. We get her done. Like I said, working on this docuseries, funding for the docuseries. And like I said, just staying busy, man. Just staying busy. You have a Creating Kickstarter content, or anything? As we say. I, I don't. I don't. I have a... I have a Venmo floating around somewhere, but um, yeah, I, I mean, I've got some decent sponsors and affiliates that I make some decent bread off of. I mean, it's anymore now, this kind of world, it's like, oh, you're a grifter. You're just doing it for money. I'm like, do I have been doing it for 10 years? If I've been doing it for money, I've not do. I mean, I, I make bread at it, but that's definitely not my motivation. I have a regular job and it's like, this is not something I'm like selling ceramic knives of the sponsors I do have. The sponsors I do have are health and wellness, you know, uh, storable food. You know, I'm a bald guy, so I got my skull shaver. Where is it? You got this guy here. It's awesome. I mean, I can do it dry. Just, oh yeah, man, I see the difference. I got, I got great, I got great supporters of the show, man. And you know, it's it's been a fun ride, and I love continuing. I love doing this stuff, man. I love having conversations with people like yourself. I really appreciate you coming on, man. Like really, thanks a lot. Where Thank can you for the invite, man. Uh, anytime, man. Yeah. Where can people find you? I'm pretty much. I don't do a lot. Well, I, if you want to look at it for Conspiracy Farm, it's Conspiracy Farm One. At Conspiracy Farm One, if you want to find me, it's for it's me speaking to you. It's at it's me speaking to you. Like I said, I spell it it's me SVK and the number two, the letter U. And then I'm also at I'm Jeffrey Wilson, J F F F E R Y on Twitter. And I'm also on Instagram, rarely on that, but that's um at J Michael Will one L. And that's where I usually have my stuff going, man. Like Sweet, the man. podcast, I just keep it kind of simple. I'm, I'm, I loved AM radio, so my podcast for mostly right now is just audio. And I got an RSS feed that's a little bit of everywhere, you know. And I found that most people listen to it more than watch it. I mean, not not a lot of time people have two hours or three hours or whatever it is to sit and watch, but they're at work or they're on the treadmill or they're driving. So I found from my analytics that uh, keeping it audio, it's less overhead too. I don't have to worry about the cameras and editing and stuff like that. It just adds more more work to the timetable, but. Yeah, dude, we have a blast, man. We're just, like I said, going to be adding more stuff to it, more content, more hosts, more shows on the network, but uh, just doing our thing, man. Yeah, that's awesome. I So I only upload the audio, but I mean, I record video because it's a little easier to actually see somebody when you talk and like you can see pauses and For add sure. the personalness as, you know, that's true. hundreds Without of miles away. But, you know, sometime in the future, maybe I'll start doing clips because I, I have, I save all this stuff with the video, but I don't do anything. Clips of the move, man. But maybe I, I'll start doing the could, clips. Yeah. That's the move. I mean, people people will watch a full show, but I, oftentimes, you know, people's attention span and they they just kind of want the segment cliff notes of the conversation more so than the whole conversation. Right. And I, I still, you know, I have to edit my caveman stuff at times. If I just leave it all like this, I guess with video it wouldn't be so bad. But with the audio, I do try to clean it up a little bit. Any of the pauses, any of the long ums and the, uh, you know, oh, yeah. put something on my phone real quick. And like things that would be annoying <laughs> to the listener all the time. So they make sure. that just disappear. Then they're like, wow, wow, Brian's so polished at doing this. I'm like, man, this podcast took <laughs> three good. hours to edit. You have no idea. You know, yes. but yeah, so if I did it with the the video, it would never match up. But, so I think I'm going to start looking into clips and see what I do with that, see what kind of traction I can gain, you know, see what yeah. they can do. Because I, I haven't doubt, man. broached TikTok or anything. And a lot of people are on that. They talk about there's a 
an algorithm you can game or whatever. But like, you know, I know China has all my shit. I'm just not ready to give it to them yet. That's the interweb in general. I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. But coming soon. But man, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. If you want to shoot me that Venmo at some point, I'll I'll put in the show notes. Uh, I'll push it out for you. Anything you have, obviously open door, you know, come on whenever you like. Uh, I appreciate it, man. I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much for coming on and have a great night. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate you, brother. All right. Take care. See ya. All right, everyone. That was our show. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Like and follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date in all things wild and weird. Check out the links in the show notes for more information on our guests. The biggest support you can offer is to tell everyone about the podcast. Until next time.